All right. Well, hey, church. Hey, everybody. Good to be with you today. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to church. Welcome to everyone in Ahwatukee. Welcome to everyone online. It's so good to be together today, yes. isn't it? You guys excited to be at church? That, yeah. Happy Memorial Day weekend. Sunday's my favorite day of the week. I'm thankful for this weekend. Yes. We have this time to celebrate um, family, freedom, and our nation. And we remember people who gave their lives in sacrifice for their country, in service to our country, our, our soldiers, sailors, airmen, marines who laid their life down. So this is just a point of order, not Veterans Day, it's yeah. Memorial Day. That's right. Okay? We've got some good friends who gave their life uh, deployed in, in combat, and so we remember them, and we don't take that for granted. Amen? I think as Christians, we can especially understand Memorial Day because Jesus sacrificed his life so that we wow. could go free and live in freedom. This is a week, though, to enjoy your freedom, enjoy family, barbecues, the lake, everything. I had a lot of people last week tell me, we're going out of town, so they're watching online. Hey, hey, <laughs> online church family, good to be with y'all. But I thought we would do something a little different today. Yeah. I thought me and Amy could sit on the stage, have a little chat with you as a church family. And because it's Memorial Day, I said, let's take time to remember what God has done. Yes. Let's reflect back on these years about where, where God's brought us, what he's done, and chat about it as a church. Yes. So this isn't so much of like a preachy sermon. We, we might preach a little bit here in a little bit, but we want to just chat with you and reflect. We don't get to talk to everyone like we wish we could. We wish we could talk to everybody and say hi to everybody and hug everybody every, every single Sunday. Sunday. But it's just not real. It's not possible. But we could chat right now. How's yes. that sound? Let's think back. So here, here's, in case you don't know the history of the church, maybe this is your first Sunday. This is not how we normally do the service, but we're doing it a little different today. Um, I came to the church 10 years ago. I came on staff. It's crazy. And now I've been the lead pastor for seven years. Yeah. And we've seen God do a lot in that Incredible time. Incredible things. When I came on staff in 2011, the church was about 300 people, yeah. and now it's over 3,500 people yes. on a regular weekend. Yeah, it's crazy. And we care about numbers around here. We don't apologize for that because every number has a name. Yes. Every name has a story, and every story matters to God. Amen. Amen, church? Amen. So as we look back, what were some of your favorite moments in Generation Church history? I think one of my favorite moments was actually the launch day of Generation Church. Yes. It was just so exciting because God had placed this amazing vision in your heart yeah. and just to see it in reality, yeah. it was just so exciting. It's Me and my beginning. dad had this idea to relaunch the church yeah. as Generation Church in early 2013 and that's how we got here today. Remember, yeah. me and Amy walked around. This is a picture I took. And back then, you know, we couldn't afford to mail anything out. So we just walked we around and feet. put it on people's doorknobs. Yeah. <laughs> just door hangers, invite people to church. January 12, 2014. I remember breaking certain growth barriers along the way, yeah. like when our church grew. And, and we got bigger than 1,000 people and 2,000 people and 3,000 people this last year. Five years in a row, our church has been one of the 100 fastest growing churches in America. Yeah. And that's so cool. Two years of those five years, the fastest growing church in Arizona completely. And that's a huge deal. It is. Only 2% of churches get bigger than 800 people. 
So that's pretty special. And then when you get talk, talk about going above 1,000, 2,000 people, that's like less than half of a percent of churches out of the 300,000 Protestant churches in America grow to be that size. And so why do I highlight that? It shows you that God is doing something really special Amen. in our church. We shouldn't take for granted that he's moving, Amen. that people are getting saved yes. every single week, yes. so and lives safe. are being changed. And, man, I think about things like when I first started on staff, we had seven people on staff. Now we have 44 staff members. And we're we hiring six, six more, more right now. Yeah, and it's crazy. And our staff is amazing. Yeah. We have the so best good. staff. So great. The best. Aren't you thankful for our pastors, our staff yes. members, our administrative so staff? All of them do such a great job. I think about when we had the merger in yes, 2017. With our Awatuki campus. Yeah, Awatuki campus used to be called New Life Church. Yes, my dad planted that church in 1991. 1991, yeah. Yeah, and in 2017, we merged and became one church in two locations. And it was really special for me because really, my, I was five when my parents planted New Life Church. And so it was the only church I had ever known mm -hmm. as a child. So just seeing God work everything together, and now we're one church has just awesome. been so cool for me personally. And I want to encourage you, if you have never visited the other church campus, so if you go to Awatuki, if you go to Mesa, like at some point visit the other campus and see it in person. It's really special, it I think, cool. to see it in person. Uh, I want you to see. And then a little teaser is next week I'm going to reveal, we're actually going to rename the Awatuki campus. Ooh. So it's still going to be called Generation Church, but we're not going to call it the Awatuki campus anymore. It's going to get a new name, like in the Bible. Israel's name was like, new name, boom. <laughs> You'll be called Jacob from this day forward. Like, it's going to happen. There's a reason behind it. I'll tell you about that next week. Another really special thing I think about was our Bold campaign. Yeah. And going back a couple years here, we started this process of building and expanding our church. So right now we're building a... A parking lot over here to the south, and then when that is finished, it'll be finished in just a, a week or two, we'll start tearing up the parking lot out in front of the church and building a new building, because as this yes. church has grown, we've run out of space. So exciting! <laughs> so... I mean, the parking lot was fun, but the building is going to be, be way special. better. <laughs> it's going to be awesome. And, and really, we always say this, it's not about the building, but the people who will right. come into the building and find new life in Jesus. That's what this is about. And I'll tell you what, this is a big deal because I was really nervous about launching this effort to build this new building. It was going to cost five, six million dollars. That's a lot of money. Um, I was just kind of not sure how it was going to go. But our church stepped up. The people gave. Amen. We're working on this. Pro we believed, and God is doing it. And when last year started in 2020, people were like, are you, you guys going to still build this building? And, and even some pastors were like, maybe you shouldn't build that building right now. You don't know what's going to happen. And I was like, bro, it's called the bold campaign. <laughs> <laughs> we can't shrink back and be timid just no. because the world got crazy. We need That's to be even more are. bold. Yes. We're a bold church. We are a bold church by God's grace. Amen. So this summer is going to be fun. That building is going to be going up. Our mission is everything we do is so that people far from God can experience new life in Jesus. Jesus. That's what it's all about. So we are building this church for Jesus' glory. Yeah. We're reaching people with the good news of Jesus Christ. Amen. And we think that there's a lot of people across the valley who still need to be reached. 
Some of you might think there's a lot of churches in Arizona, but it is a drop in the bucket compared to how many people are in Arizona. So true. You realize that Phoenix, the metro area of Phoenix, is one of the top 10 least churched major cities in America. It's one of the top 10 least biblically literate cities in America. So there's a lot of people here who don't know the Bible. They don't know God's will for their lives. They don't understand the good news of Jesus Christ Mm -hmm. and who he really is. And God has put us here to reach people like that. So thank you for being a part of that. All the individual stories of life change, so you know, are the fuel for our our ministry. It's what keeps us going. So when you guys send us emails and messages and you tell us about how God saved you, how he healed you, how he, how he restored your marriage, how your kids were once prodigals and God brought them home, how he gave you children, how he gave you houses, how he blessed you in so many ways. Like that stuff is what fills up our tank and keeps us going. That is the fuel that keeps us going. Milestones are significant moments you look back on and remember what God has done. Yeah. So the stories of life change are the fuel that keeps us going, but milestone moments, like what we're talking about today, those are things you look back on and you go, man, remember where we used to be? Yeah. Isn't God good? Amen. And you have milestone moments in your family. You probably think about your wedding day. Amen. For some of you, it wasn't that long ago. Maybe when you had your first child, when you bought your first house, maybe a vacation, you went on, and we all look back on moments like that, and we remember that God has been good to us. Amen. 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 Amy, can you read Joshua chapter 4? Yeah. When all the people had crossed the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, now choose 12 men, one from each tribe. Tell them, take 12 stones from the very place where the priests are standing in the middle of the Jordan. Carry them out and pile them up at the place where you will camp tonight. You will use these stones to build a memorial in that in the future, your children will ask you, what do these stones mean? They can, then you can tell them, they remind us that the Jordan River stopped flowing when the Ark of the Lord's Covenant went across. These stones will stand as a memorial among the people of Israel forever. Amen. Amen. So what we see here is God did a miracle and he stopped the Jordan River and then he specifically told Joshua, you're going to make a memorial. You're going to count out 12 guys. Yeah. You're going to count out 12 stones. You're going to build up these rocks as a memorial to look back on. And your kids are going to ask, well, what's that all about? And I think that God uses a lot of these milestone moments as memorials. When you have opportunity in the future, you're going to be able to tell your kids about, man, man, I was a part of building that new building. I was a part of this church growing and reaching more people. And, and you're going to be able to share stories about your family and how God has done good things in your family. So we should all take time often to reflect on the good things that God has done Amen. for each and every one of us. Amen. Amen. Other milestone moments like Beautiful, first beautiful conference. Yeah, the first beautiful conference is definitely a milestone for me. I think that God has placed a vision in my heart for the women of our church. And seeing all of the girls that call Generation Church home become who God has created them to be is just something that is so encouraging and incredible to me. And I, I look back at the first beautiful conference and think that's when it all started. Yeah, and we have the best women's ministry of any church in Arizona. Mm-hmm. I'm not embarrassed to say that because it's true. <laughs> what about you? What are your I love, milestones? I love how much uh, Celebrate Recovery has yeah. grown in our church. Amen. 
In case you're not familiar, CR is a place for people who have hurts, habits, and hang-ups to find recovery. Not, it's not just a 12-step program, but Jesus is the one that sets us free. Amen. And we've got some of the best CR leaders in our church. They're incredible. And I think about Sherry and Art, um, our, our CR leaders, years ago. They're so awesome. Years ago, when I first sat down and talked with them about CR, uh, I just knew as a part of our church's mission that as we, as we grew and as we reached people, we always wanted to be a place for people who were struggling and broken to be real, yeah. to be honest about the hurt in their life so that they could find freedom. That stuff doesn't get healed by covering up and acting like it doesn't exist. Right. You find healing through bringing those things to the light bringing them before Jesus, that's how we do it. And I dreamed, you know, someday this thing's gonna grow from the small group it started as, just a couple, you know, maybe like a dozen people. Someday it's gonna grow and it's gonna fill our main auditorium. Yes. And I want you to understand this, this is cool. At the end of this summer, we're actually moving Celebrate Recovery into the main auditorium <laughs> because it grew so much it doesn't fit in the chapel anymore. How awesome is that? Amen. We love growth. We love it. I love uh, our Generation Leadership College is something that's exciting. Years ago, we dreamed about having this program, and we just had our first graduation, students that have gone through the full two years of this. So it's like an internship, leadership development, and these students are going through college oftentimes, and they're being raised up as young adults to serve the Lord with leadership gifting. So some of these guys are going into ministry, some of these folks are going into the marketplace, but now as a church, we've actually hired seven, seven. staff members from Generation Leadership College. Yeah. They're serving today. God's doing great things. Yeah, I think a personal milestone for us was our baby girl, Lila. Yes. And for those of you who don't know, we struggled with infertility for seven years, and along that journey, we shared what uh, our struggle was with our church family and that we were going to adopt, and we finally w were picked and got baby Lila, and we had her at home for a week and a half, and we didn't tell anybody yeah. that we had her because we wanted to share the great news of what God has done with the people who walked through that journey with us, our church family. Yeah. And so we walked her out on stage and surprised everybody with our sweet baby girl. This was actually the Sunday yeah. that we revealed the baby. To the Were any of you guys there that day? When we, yeah. Yes, that was so sweet. It was a special day. And people ask us oftentimes, like, are you guys going to have another kid? Yeah, we probably yeah, will. We will. <laughs> we will. For we sure. Will. Now, what were some of the hardest moments when you look back? We're, we're going to be real. We're going to have some real talk. Yeah. We like truth around here. One of the things is probably there is a, just a general grind to doing ministry. Yeah. It's not just big moments and celebrations. Really, all of those big moments come from week after week trying to be faithful to what God has put in your hand. Yeah. This is true for all of us. Those mountaintop moments come through week in, week out faithfulness with what God has called you to steward. And that's challenging. You know, we've seen, unfortunately, over the years, pastors fall and churches go through scandal and people get hurt. It's it's really our first calling just to be consistent and faithful to what God has called us to do. Yeah. And if we don't have any other big celebration, mountaintop moments, what we want to do is just be faithful 
as followers of Jesus so that when we stand before him one day, he'll say, well done, good and faithful servant. That's what we want. But it's, it's, it's hard. Week in, week out. We got to get better. We're always trying to grow. We're always trying to, to get better as a church. So I want you to understand this. Maybe you're a guest. Maybe you're new. Well, uh, maybe you've noticed in our church that there are things that aren't perfect. We know. We know. Yeah. yeah. We know that. We are, we are aware of that. We're not perfect. No. We're working to get better. Always getting better. It's a, str- it's a struggle. But, but you can't get better at all the things Yeah, at the same we're, we're time. trying. So we're working on that. Um, I think about last year. Yeah. Last year was really hard with COVID. Does anybody relate to that? Anybody else? Yeah. No, just a few people. Last year was particularly (laughs) hard. Yeah. And uh, there was a lot of division in churches, a lot of fear, a lot of hostility. I don't think it would have been as crazy of a year if it wouldn't have been an election year, but that just made everything that much more crazy and intense. So there were people who had feelings that got hurt. There were people that didn't like the way that we were leading the church last year, to be honest, but we made it through it. And here we are on the other side and we're stronger than ever. Amen. Amen. I think another thing that's hard is losing people that you love, saying goodbye to people that you love. Yeah. And that happens in all different ways. Yeah. And you know, church is like a family and we really want church to be a family. We do. We view it like a family. Yeah. And so when people come in to our church, all of you, we, we view you like family. And so we want to love you fully. And that makes it, it makes it hard when you have to say goodbye to people. Yeah. Sometimes you say goodbye to people for reasons that make sense. Like they move away, they get a new job, they move across the country. Other times it's, it's for sad reasons. Like sometimes people literally pass away. Yeah. This last year we had a, a good friend of mine in the church family uh, died because of cancer it was hard. My father passed away in February. You don't want to lose people that way. Uh, unfortunately, that's just part of life. Yeah. It's part of life. You love the people that God brings into your life while they're there. Amen? Amen. And unfortunately, we can't all stay together forever, but in heaven, we'll all be together that's forever. Right. <laughs> sometimes, people, God, sometimes God calls people away legitimately, like, hey, it's time for you to get planted in a new church. Sometimes people leave churches because of sin, they get convicted by biblical preaching and they don't want to hear it, and so they leave. Um, even Jesus lost one of his disciples because of sin. I tell myself that when I feel bad about my, <laughs> about my, my situation. And not every church is right for everyone. That's so true. sometimes you just realize like, hey, this church isn't right for me. I need to find a new church home. Once you do find that home, I encourage you to be planted, put down roots, and stay for a long time. Like leaving your church should be a really serious thing. And when God calls you to a new church, it's not just that you're there to consume, but he's actually called you there. So put down roots like a tree so you can grow strong, stay planted, and and you'll benefit from that, from being there for a long time. But, you know, sometimes in churches, I wanted to just encourage someone today, you get hurt. Sometimes you get hurt in church because churches are filled with people and people are imperfect. And just like in a family, sometimes we hurt each other. And we need to understand that's just a reality. That's a reality of being a, a flawed person. And when people hurt you, you're called to forgive them. That's good. Yes, you can get hurt by people in churches, but what's the alternative? Not being part of a church? That'll hurt a lot more. Yeah. 
So accept the flaws that people bring to the church family. Love them anyway, the way that God loves you. We keep moving forward together. I think of Deuteronomy 7, verse 9. It says, understand, therefore, that the Lord your God is indeed God. He is the faithful God who keeps his covenant for a thousand generations and lavishes his unfailing love on those who love him and obey his commands. So God is faithful. Evil and people aren't faithful. Amen. Even though sometimes people fail you, they might leave you, they might let you down. God keeps his promise. That's right. He keeps his, and he calls it a covenant promise, which means it's not a contract based on your perfect performance. This covenant promise is based on who God is. Yes. He is faithful and a promise Amen. keeper. So good. And so he'll never let you down. He'll never run out on you. You can always count on him. He shows his love to a thousand generation church campuses <laughs> and a thousand generations. Amen. Amen. I love that. So people ask us sometimes, like, how are we doing? Which is so awesome. It's really sweet of you. Yeah. Um, we're tired right now. I'll be honest. Like, we're more tired than we normally are. Definitely. Amy asked me a couple weeks ago, like, how long is it going to be till we go on vacation? So let's talk about vacation. We're going on we're vacation. We're going on vacation. Yeah. In a couple of weeks, yeah. we'll be going on vacation. I'm going to be preaching two more sermons uh, for this Grace and Truth series. So I want to encourage you to come back for those next two weeks, hear those sermons, but soon we're going on vacation. Yes. And Amy loves vacation. Especially. I do love vacation. She loves to travel. I love trips. You love Disneyland. I do love Disneyland. You love any trip, really. I love really. any trip. I, get, I always get a little overwhelmed by trips, and I'm like, I don't want to go. And then you're like, it'll be great. I always have to talk them into then it Then we go, and minute. I love it. <laughs> but she's had to bring that out of me. So yes. here's one thing I wanted to touch on. Church, we're going on vacation because it's important for uh, us to be spiritually healthy, just like it is important for all of us to have times where we rest and we pause, and so that's why we're going to be away. Don't freak out if you come to church in a few weeks and we're not here. Last year, we went on vacation. We didn't tell anybody, and everyone was, like, really concerned. Yeah. <laughs> Are they okay? Are they okay? Are they sick? Are it was, like, dying? in the middle of COVID, and we were getting yeah. messages on social media. But even when we go away... I wanted to encourage you. The Holy Spirit is still here. Yeah. God is still here, and he's going to speak through whoever is here preaching the gospel that day. And I wanted to remind all of us that although God has called us to a, a special role to lead and to serve our church, the church, Generation Church, does not revolve around That's us. That's right. Understand that. This church does not revolve around us. This church revolves around Jesus. Amen. He's the center of our church. Amen. He's who we're here for. He's who we celebrate. He's, he's the one we're doing all this for. So when we're not here, the spirit of God is here. And sometimes people are like, oh, man, the pastor's not here. But the Holy Spirit is going to speak a word through whoever is ministering on every single Sunday. Yes. You need to believe that. Amen. One of the things, like... I've realized that is that leaders tend to struggle with resting. Um, some people struggle with laziness, but most leaders don't struggle with laziness. They struggle with workaholism, That's like true. workaholicism. I don't know how to say that. Uh, it's hard to stop working if you're building a business, if you're an entrepreneur, if you're a leader. You probably relate to that. It's yeah. hard to slow down and stop working because you feel like if I'm not working, everything's going to fall apart. And that's something I struggle with, honestly. Like. For years, I would feel guilty about 
taking resting. a day off, about resting, about even, even at night throughout the week, just stopping to rest. We put on Netflix to watch some, some show, right? And I'd feel bad, like, man, should I be praying for orphans right now? Or, <laughs> or probably someone who needs me somewhere. Like the, everything feels like life and death. Yeah. But God has been reminding us that we're not the ones who are building this church. Jesus is building yes. his church. Amen. And it's so biblical to rest. It's biblical to rest. That's why Jesus uh, rested and he modeled that for us. God said, six days you shall work and on the seventh day you shall rest. Amen. So I, it, it's something we all need to be reminded of. In Psalm 23, it says, the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows he leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. We have to let the Lord lead us into rest yeah. if we want our strength to be renewed. Sometimes people complain about their life being stressful, and that's because they don't do any of the things that allow life to be restful. Wow, they don't stop and allow Jesus to be in control. And it's tempting for me sometimes, but I feel like God's dealing with me in that area. And I want to encourage someone today, take a, you, you need to have a day of rest. This, every week. Every week. It doesn't have to be Sunday, but you need a Sabbath day where you stop working and you put your life in God's hands and you trust him. Yeah. When you do that, like, I encourage you, do things that are life-giving for you. Spend time with your family. Uh, fill your tank up. Spend time with the Lord. I like to try to disconnect from social media. I do that some weeks. Some weeks I'm a lot better at She's a lot better at it than me. <laughs> She's always like, can you please get off your phone? <laughs> yes. We're working yes. on it. But I'm thankful that God leads us and he's leading our church yes. even in times of rest. So we're going to go on vacation in a few weeks, get filled up, come back, be ready, ready to, rock. to rock, filled up, fresh vision, yeah. ready for what God has ahead of us. So God's going to be doing good things these weeks. I got great preachers lined up for you. It's going to be good. Now, we've been in a series called Grace and Truth, and... This Sunday, I felt like we could encourage you as a couple in how you can have grace and truth in your marriage. Uh, that's so important. Now, how many of you in the room are married? Uh, in Awatuki, show of hands if you're married. Um, if you're married or you plan on getting married, I think having grace and truth in your marriage is critical. Yes. Critical. Now, we've been married for nine and a half years. Yes. That's a long time. Best years of your life. Best years of my life, <laughs> by far. Oh, man. So, yeah, nine and a half years, picture of us. We, we specifically picked a picture of us kissing so you would know we like each other. <laughs> we like each other. Yeah, we like each other. And we wanted to talk about how to have grace and truth in marriage. Now, Amy has the unique privilege of being married to her pastor. Think about how weird that is. What's it like? Amazing? It's great. Yeah? I love it. That's a weird special dynamic yes, that you deal with. Yes, it's yeah. a special calling, that's for sure. Yeah, you get, to, you get to sit and receive ministry, and you also have to clean up my mess. That's true. It's You're a, a blessing. God's I'll tell you what, this church grace. would not be where it is without Amy. Thank you. So, our... I would say, honestly, this is real talk, not, not trying to put on a show. It's easy to be married to her. It's e I feel like our, it's just easy to yeah, be married. I feel the same way about you. Really? Yes. That's great. <laughs> he looks like he doesn't believe me. I'm, I'm like, I know it's easy for me. So 
it really is easy. Um, Amy is just such a godly woman. It's, it's just been such a, a blessing, but not, not every moment is easy, That's right? And marriage is kind of a struggle for a lot of people. On one hand, hopefully you feel like you married your best friend. On the other hand, some, some days it can feel like you're living with your worst enemy, you know? <laughs> and you have fun together, but then you also fight together. Yeah. So you need grace and truth to live for Jesus as a Christian, but you also need grace and truth in a healthy marriage. So true. So let's talk about what grace and truth look like. First, grace is unmerited favoritism. And favoritism is a word that has a negative connotation for a lot of people, but I think it can be a good thing. The definition of favoritism it is the practice of giving unfair, preferential treatment to one person or group at the expense of another. Now, our culture doesn't like favoritism. As a rule, people like fairness. Yeah. You know, it's one of the first things you learn to say. You know, you're in kindergarten. That's not fair. It's not fair. We should all get treated the same. We should all get treated equally. There are good things about fairness, but marriage is not a place where fairness should be valued. That's good. Rather, we should strive for favoritism. Yeah. I want to treat her with preferential treatment at the expense of myself. That's good. And I want to do the same. Imagine what it looks like in a marriage when both husband and wife do that. I want to treat her as if she's more important than me. Her priorities come before my priorities. Her preferences trump my preferences. So one of the things we were talking about this yesterday, Amy said, which I thought was so good. She said, most fights come from a difference in preferences out of pet peeves or a difference in priorities. You know, one person just prefers one thing, other person prefers it another way. Yeah. No, you're supposed to fold the towels this way. <laughs> hey, there is a, a right way. There is a right way. I, I've, I found out. <laughs> it's just a preference, right? It, it's not something worth fighting over. Then there's like pet peeves. You can develop pet peeves in a relationship. Like, I hate when you chew your food that way. I, I hate when you do that. I don't like how you did that. It's just a pet peeve or, or just a difference in priorities. Like one person prioritizes vacation. The other person prioritizes saving. And neither of those people are right or wrong. Right. It's just a, a difference, a disconnect in priorities. So in our relationship, we've experienced this has played out in some ways. Um, Amy has helped me to grow. <laughs> Same. You've helped me grow. Yeah. Like I have, prior, I have priorities and preferences. You have priorities and preferences. I think one of the things when we first got married that was a difference in preferences and priorities where I like to buy people bigger presents than you would prefer. Yeah. Yeah. I remember when we, it was the first year we were married and it was Mother's Day and I went to him and I said, I'm going to run to Ross. Ross. Girls, listen to this. Ross. <laughs> And I'm going to buy our mom's Mother's Day presents. And he looked at me straight in the face and he said, don't spend too much money. I mean, I do love my mom. <laughs> but that was just where I was. And then uh, Amy, Amy showed me the way. I did. And there her generosity right rubbed off on me over time. It's Isn't true. God good, right? Yes. He brings you the perfect person. Anybody relate to that? Your spouse is helping you grow in one area. Yes. Yeah. 
Isn't that cool how God does that? Amen. Um, he's, he's good to us like that. So the world celebrates fairness. I think in marriage, it's good to celebrate favoritism. It's so good. Unfair treatment. Yeah. I'm going to treat you like you're, more, like you're more important than me. It's easy in our marriage. I mean, come on. <laughs> I'm going to treat you like your priorities matter more than mine. Grace is also flaw blindness. Flaw blindness. And we all have flaws. We all have flaws. Now, I'm colorblind. Any other guys are in the room be colorblind? Yeah, you know, 10% of men are colorblind. Anybody know that? Yeah, 10% of guys are colorblind. I have red-green colorblindness, so I can still see red and green. I didn't know I had that until I was going into the Army, and they did those little charts, those little dots, right? And they ask you, what, what, number, is it, what number is it that you see? And I'm like, what, what number? I don't see a number. <laughs> Like, they're like, oh, you're colorblind. I'm like, no, I'm not. I see colors everywhere. So I didn't know that was a thing. But even though I want to see, I can't see certain like red, green color combinations, no matter how hard I try. And I, I thought how in a healthy marriage, grace allows you to intentionally choose to develop flaw blindness. That's so good. Your spouse has flaws, right. but you can choose not to see them. So let's see, can you read this passage? For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Amen. That's good. That's good. For a husband is the head of his wife as Christ is the head of the I'm church. I'm just kidding. I was just, I was just waiting for that moment. That was, go ahead. Go okay. Ahead. Is that your favorite scripture in the Bible? No, it's okay. not. For a husband is the head of his wife as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. For husbands, this means love your wives. Amen. Just as Christ loved the church. Yes. Amen. That verse is even better. I agree. Preach that. He gave up his life to her. To make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. Okay, so this is so good. It talks about how Jesus makes us blameless in God's sight. Amen. We had flaws. We do have flaws. We, have, we still have a, a, a struggle with sin, even as Christians, all of us. But because of Jesus' blood that was shed for us, our past, present, and future sins are all forgiven through faith in Jesus. And when God looks at us, he sees the perfection of Jesus Christ covering our sin. Amen. Isn't that amazing? Amen. That's awesome. It's like God chooses sin blindness when he looks at us. Wow. He just sees the righteousness of Jesus. And I think in a healthy marriage, we can choose flaw blindness. Now, there are some things you can't overlook. There are some problems in a marriage you cannot just choose to overlook. There are some things that have to be dealt with because they're so serious, like abuse or a, an affair or something like that. There are issues you gotta talk through. We'll talk about truth in a moment. But a lot of the things that we fight about in marriage can be easily overlooked. Let me say that again. A lot of what you fight about in marriage are things that can be easily overlooked. So true. You're going to overlook something in your marriage. So you've gotta choose, are you gonna overlook your spouse's strengths or their weaknesses? Mm. What a lot of people do is they take their spouse for granted 
and they overlook all of their spouse's strengths, all the things their spouse does to bless them. Which Think, is probably a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. E- even, if, even if they have a lot of room to grow, I bet they're doing something to bless you. And you could focus on that. You could give thanks for that. Or you could focus on all the little things. Now, we've done marriage counseling with people. Sometimes they're on the brink of divorce. And they talk about, you know, we don't think we love each other anymore. We don't know if we can make it work. We don't know if we can stand each other anymore. All these big problems, these huge problems. And here's the deal. You don't get to that point overnight. Right. You don't just stumble into it and say, we don't feel like we love each other anymore. We can't stand each other. At one point, you loved each other. At one point, you were really into each other. Couldn't keep your hands off each other. <laughs> Called each other best friend. Had a wedding. Were in love. Couldn't believe how good you had. But then what happened? You go down a path that leads to bitterness and resentment. It starts with focus on the flaws. Everyone has flaws. Every relationship is going to have little cracks because of our flaws. Little imperfections where you get on each other's nerves. You're tired. You have a bad day. You become selfish or self-focused in a moment. Those are little flaws. Like Amy shared some of my flaws recently that I leave my shoes out. I, I found out this is a big problem I need to work on. I don't know what it is about putting my shoes away. It just like I just take them off and then my mind immediately goes to like, now what? Like what's next? I, I'm going to get better though, babe. Promise? Yeah. It's on so, tape. So she could, she could focus on that, right? And, and here's what happens. I, I was doing a little bit of research. You, the way that you break a, a huge boulder, the way you break a huge rock is you find like the tiniest little crack and you drive a wedge into that crack and then you start hammering it. And that little wedge can crack a giant boulder. And I think that's what happens in marriages that break apart. It's not that, I would say it's not even possible to have a marriage without little cracks. Right. Because we're imperfect people. It's what do you do with that crack? Do you focus on it? If you focus on it and you constantly hit it, you're going to eventually drive a wedge in your relationship and split yourself apart. It says in 1 Peter chapter 4, most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other, for love covers a multitude of sins. Love covers a multitude of sins. And, and there is sin in marriage. Like we sin in our marriage against each other. Yeah. More so me than her. <laughs> Sometimes I'm selfish. Sometimes I'm tired. Sometimes I I have a bad attitude, right? None of us are ever going to perfectly contribute 50-50. That's a a pipe dream. It's not going to happen. So I I can focus on that, and I can can think about it, and I I can hammer on it, bring it up constantly, or I can cover over it with love. Like a stonemason would come in with mortar, I can fill that crack in with so love, good. cover over, like the way the blood of Jesus covers our sins, love covers over a multitude of sins, a multitude of weaknesses, a multitude of imperfections. That's what love does. Love looks the other way. So good. Love says, I don't have to even bring it up. So I want to encourage you in your marriage, if you're frustrated by something your spouse has done. Before you even bring it up, ask yourself this. Is this something that I need to talk about? Is this something I need to bring up and have a conversation about? Or is this something that love can just cover over? 
I can just keep on, I can just keep on going on. And I can let the Holy Spirit help my spouse to grow. Yeah. The Holy Spirit can help my spouse to grow more than I ever could. Amen? Amen. So it's not just grace. It's also truth. And truth, I, I think, starts with this. Edification through communication. That word edification means to strengthen, to build up. The world celebrates communication and relationship. You know, anybody, non-Christians, everybody will say, hey, a healthy relationship needs good communication. But God celebrates a particular type of communication. Yeah. The world celebrates any communication. Hey, just get it off. Whatever's on your chest, get it off. Speak your mind. Speak your truth. The, the world celebrates all communication. God celebrates edification. That's good. Here's what it says in Ephesians 4. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. Hey, if you don't get anything else out of this Sunday, listen to this verse. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Another translation says, the ESV, that it may give grace to those who hear. So when I speak to my wife, it's not just so that I'll feel better and get something off my chest, but it should build her up according to her needs. Yeah. This is one of the ways I can give her grace and show her grace. So good communication doesn't tear down, call names, attack the other person's character. You know, if you find yourself saying, you always do this or you never do that, stop. You're probably going down the wrong path towards unwholesome communication. I think some examples that we've experienced in our own marriage is something as seems little but was big for me. When we first got married, I didn't know how to cook. And I felt a lot of pressure to make my husband dinner. And I just had no idea what I was doing. I'm a perfectionist and a people pleaser. So I was putting this pressure on myself. It wasn't from him. But I wanted I was to, just happy you were cooking yeah, dinner. <laughs> I wanted to make great dinners. And so I would cook and I would uh, lay dinner out on the table. And just the way he responded to the dinners, even when they weren't that good, they're a lot better now, but even when they weren't that good, so good. Uh, he would say things like, this is so good, thank you for cooking, or I, I love when you make dinner, and it just built me up and gave me more confidence, and it made me want to cook more, and, do, and because you were uh, speaking so much love and uh, affirmation into that situation, it made me want to just become the best I could be at yeah. it, to bless you. And you helped me, you blessed me by encouraging me on Sundays when yeah. I'm preaching, tell me like, that's a great sermon. It's and always sometimes great, Sometimes I really it? need that encouragement, <laughs> you know, because I'm, I'm not that sure sometimes. It's but. always good. Aren't you so grateful for a pastor who preaches the truth? <laughs> but you've also helped me in my leadership with just your words of encouragement and speaking uh, the leadership that you saw in me and yeah. giving me permission to lead and the confidence to lead uh, here at church and in our family. And I think that um, you've helped me become a better preacher too. And you have. You've grown so much as a leader, as a wife, as a pastor, and I'm so proud of you. Thank so you. awesome. <laughs> so good. So when you go to speak the truth in your relationship, ask yourself this question. 
am I telling the truth to help our relationship get better or to help me feel better? Mm. Am I speaking the truth to help her get better or just to help me feel better? Because let's be honest, sometimes there's something you just want to say and you know it'll feel good to say what's on your mind. But that doesn't necessarily mean it's what she needs. And Ephesians 4 said, speak the truth, speak, speak encouraging words to build the other person up according to their needs, what she needs in that moment. So that's how I want to do it. Truth, speak the truth. And then part of, of truth in marriage is faithfulness. I want to be faithful to my spouse. I want to be faithful to what I committed to. When, when we got married, we made a commitment. Uh, to forsake all others. That means um, no other women on the side, no side pieces. Amen. Uh, my eyes shouldn't be looking anywhere else. I shouldn't be flirting with anyone else, right? I'm a one woman man. Hallelujah. I want to keep that commitment that we would stay together in sickness or in health and for richer, for poorer, till death do us part. Isn't it sad how often people just forget those commitments? Yeah. They throw this wedding day celebration party and then they just go on like they never committed to that. And like that is a covenant commitment that is made before God. So I, I want to think about that in marriage. That's one of the ways that we can live with truth, with faithfulness in our marriage. God is filled with uh, unfailing love and faithfulness for us, exhibited through Jesus Christ. And it's honoring to God when we remain faithful to each other, even when it's not easy, even when it's hard. So, man, we want to sacrifice for each other. What a great day to talk about sacrifice on Memorial Day weekend. Think about sacrificing, laying your life down on the line for each other, just like Jesus laid his life down on the cross for us. Marriage is built on grace and truth. Jesus came from the Father full of grace and truth. It's not surprising that a healthy marriage really comes out of living like Jesus, doing what pleases Jesus. The more you treat each other like Jesus treats us, the better your marriage is gonna be. Aren't you thankful for Jesus? Yes. He's so good. Amen. So I wanna just do this. I just wanna close. I'm gonna pray for you all. Thank you for being here today. Um, if this was your first Sunday, it's a little bit different today, but I wanna invite you to come back next week as we continue this series, Grace and Truth, talking about difficult issues, how we can live for the Lord with grace, with truth, treat other people with grace and with truth. We need both. We need the truth because it sets us free and God's grace covers over a multitude of sins, saves us. We don't deserve it, but God gives us this, this gift of salvation because of his unfailing love. I'm so thankful for it. That's how I want to live my life, full of grace, full of truth. Amen. Amen. Let's pray, and then we'll be dismissed. God, we love you so much. I thank you for each and every person in this church. Thank you for all the good things you've done through our church, Lord. We give you all the glory and the praise for what you have done, and we pray, Lord, that this is just the beginning, that we'll continue moving forward, reaching even more people with the gospel, that they'll know Jesus and find freedom through him. Lord, I pray for, pray for each and every person who's with us today, online at Awatuki in Mesa, that you would bless them, bless Bless their families, those of them who have kids. Bless their kids, God, and use them. Lead them according to your will. We thank you for your unfailing love and faithfulness, God. And I pray for all of our married couples. Strengthen their marriages and bless them yes. in Jesus' name. Help them to draw closer together than ever before. In Jesus' name we pray. Everyone said amen. 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 God bless you. You're love dismissed. You